0: Good morning. It's good to see you on this Lord's Day. I encourage you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. Hebrews, chapter 3. You could probably put a marker in 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. Hebrews, chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. We're about three-quarters of the way through our... Our series that we've called Life Together, we're working through the one and passages of the Bible, of the New Testament specifically. And we are coming to uh, several texts today, really, that, that call us to encourage one another. So this is going to be an encouraging sermon. Amen? Encourage one another. Well, let's pray and ask for the Lord to grant us hearts encouragement. Father, we ask that as we open your word, Lord, that we would not only understand it mentally, that we also, God, by your grace, would apply it in practical ways. Father, your word is transformative. And so, Father, would you call us to hear to understand, to respond, and to obey, that you would be glorified. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Words are important. In fact, words are virtually essential, for the most part, in some form, to our existence everything we do in life is is governed in some fashion or informed in some way by the use of words. And not only are words important, how you use your words are just as important. We know that we use words to speak in our family, in our workplaces, at school, to receive information, to distribute information. God has even used words to reveal himself specifically in the scriptures. Words are important. Depending on who you ask, the average person speaks anywhere between fifteen to 16,000 words a day. Some of you do way more than that. And we as people made in the image of God, using our words, have the opportunity to use our words either for good or for bad. Rarely will words, if ever, be neutral words. Proverbs 18.1 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You ever thought about that before? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What you say and how you say it will have an impact upon others, either for good or for bad. I love what Um, pastor and and, and hip-hop artist Trip Lee said about words he said our words are like hammers we can recklessly swing them around and break stuff or we can carefully use them to build stuff in fact words will be important even on judgment day Jesus said in Matthew 12:36 that on the day of judgment people will give account for every idle or careless word they speak. So, today specifically as we address the instructions given to us in God's word to encourage one another. Listen, encouraging one another most of the time will involve the use of words. What you say, how you say it will have an impact on people. So the point in in encouraging one another is that we would use our words for the building up of others that they might grow mature in Christ. Let's hear from these two passages of Scripture. I'm going to begin, actually, in 1 Thessalonians 5. One verse. Actually, three verses. Let me back up to verse 9. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that... There's a reason he died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Encourage. Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 12 through verse 14. The writer of Hebrews says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort, same word as 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Encourage, just with a little umph behind it. Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Why? So that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ if indeed we hold original, our original confidence firm to the end. So we're talking today about the biblical responsibility to encourage one another. We're going to unpack that. We're going to encourage one another using our words, intentionally building others up that they might grow in Christ. It's what encouragement is about. So I want us to consider several things. I want us to look at a proper definition I want us to then identify the context in which encouragement should be spoken, uh, identifying the people who need it. And then, number three, I want us to consider how practically we can provide it. Define it, identify those who need it, how we can provide it. That's what we're going to look at today. So let's look at the first one, encouragement defined. What does it mean to encourage? Well, we need to understand what it is. And what it isn't. If we're going to understand properly, biblically, this is biblical encouragement, what we're called to do. The word translated encourage is, is the word parakaleo in Greek. That means nothing to most of us because we don't speak Greek. But you need to understand that word in the New Testament is a common word. It's one of these words, this is what the frustrating thing about the Greek language, that you can use a word and it has like a gazillion meanings, right? depending on the context. Um, It's one of those Greek words that has a wide range of meaning depending upon the context. Even Jesus uses a form of this word in John 14, verse 16, where he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. That word helper comes from the same word that we get encouraged from. I will give you another helper to be with you forever. So this word that we translate sometimes, encourage, depending on the form of it, it, it carries the idea of coming alongside of someone to help them. So that's what it means. When we're talking about encouragement, generally speaking, we're coming alongside of someone to help them. Holy Spirit is referred to as the helper, the encourager. One of the obvious realities that emerges from that idea of coming alongside of someone to help is that encouragement is a close ministry, not a distant ministry. It implies that there is closeness, that there is relationship, that there is some level of community present with you and others if you're going to be able and useful to them to encourage them. In the New Testament, this word is translated a number of ways. Exhort, encourage, comfort, plead, urge, appeal. Same word, different context. It all is is pointing to helping people grow in Christ. We're going to unpack some of those in just a bit. But that's what it is. It's coming alongside to help so that that person that you're seeking to help is, is reflecting the character of Christ. More and more. It's a, it's, a, it's a Christian kind of pushing, right? I know we don't like pushy people. We're not talking about overbearing. We're talking about just a gentle, consistent, coming alongside of, carrying along, and helping. That's what we're talking about. At the same time, we need to realize what encouragement is not. A couple of things that come to mind. We're not talking about flattery. I think when, when we think about encouragement, we think about coming alongside, patting on the back, oh, you're doing such a great job. Well, that is kind of encouragement. But we're not, we're not called to encourage others, to flatter them. We're, in encouragement, we're not seeking to praise others in order to win their approval. So if you think that coming alongside of someone to encourage them so they like you more, that's not biblical encouragement, that's manipulation. Or something different. If, if you have an ulterior motive than their good, we're not talking about biblical encouragement. Biblical encouragement has that person's good in mind, not your comfort necessarily. And it's not necessarily motivational. Again, it's not coming alongside and, and just saying, way to go, you can do it. Yes, that is kind of encouragement, but biblical encouragement is much richer and deeper than just you can do it so much more than that so that's what encouragement is coming alongside to help for a purpose of helping someone reflect the character of Christ more and more it's a helper pointing people in the right direction well the second thing that we need to understand is who needs encouragement encouragement needed who needs encouragement well the easy answer is everyone right all of us need it so great this sermon's going to be applicable to all of us right All of us need encouragement, and by God's grace, we need to be used to encourage others. One of my prayers in this particular message today is that God would make us an encouraging church. Not just simply a happy place to be, but a place filled with people who are seeking to intentionally do others spiritually good by encouraging them. Some of you have what's called the gift of encouragement. I, I think that there is such thing as a gift of encouragement. You just have that gift, a Barnabas kind of person, that you just, it just oozes out of you. Thank God for people like you that just, just ooze with encouragement. The rest of us have to work hard at not oozing discouragement, but encouragement. Some of you always see the glass half full the rest of us, like me, it's always half empty. We need to learn to, to be proactive. I want us to consider five types of people from the scriptures, from the use of this word used in different contexts, that we, the five types of people that need specific forms of encouragement. So think about this in two ways. Think about, okay, and by the way, these are not just people like this all the time. You will find yourself in this in these five examples at different, you could, you could experience all five of these examples in your own heart this week. So it's not just a type of person that's always this way. This is, this is as life happens where we will find ourselves, these kinds of people needing specific kinds of encouragement and us having the discernment and awareness of speaking into their life at the appropriate time with the appropriate forms of encouragement. Who needs encouragement? First person, the weary The weary need encouragement. Friends, There are people who are exhausted mentally, physically, spiritually. And people like this need encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 5, if you read down just a few verses later, 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, Paul says, And we urge you, brothers, that word is actually encourage, urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. Encourage the faint-hearted. There are some who are faint-hearted. They are weary. They are struggling. And we are called to come alongside of them, to help them by speaking into their life, to encourage them. Now, many of you have participated in a 5K or a half marathon. Some of you have done a full marathon. Others of you are like me. You stand on the sidelines and root them on. But the Bible often describes the Christian life like a race, doesn't it? We're running, we're enduring. And if you're a runner, I've only done a little in my life, but if you run, you know that runners grow weary in races. I mean, how many of you that's run a half marathon or a full marathon have done it without any kind of exhaustion? You'd be like Superman or something. Runners grow weary in races, but... How do you get to the end? It's through the encouragement of others, either in your training or along the route, that you find strength to continue, urging you on, at the point when you are your weakest and most exhausted, people speaking into your life. Because the Christian life was never promised to be an easy one. And there will be days, as a Christian, when you wonder if you can take another step. There will be days as a Christian when you wonder if you can even continue giving to others like you have been. You will grow weary. You will be faint hearted. You will be discouraged. You will be exhausted. And there are those moments in your life when you need encouragement. And friends, listen, when you see those kinds of people, when you look around you and and, and you see faint-hearted people, weary people, exhausted people, don't just look at them. Don't just look at them and say, what's wrong with you? Get your act together. Come alongside of them. Gently and graciously speak truth into their lives. Encourage them. Paul says, be patient. Don't just stand and look at them like they're bizarre, as if you've never been the same way. Move toward them, come alongside of them, help them, encourage them, point them in the right direction. There's the weary. Number two, the tempted. This is Hebrews 3. So in Hebrews 3, the writer uses the same word in verse 13. that We get our word encouragement, but it's Translated most of the time, exhort, so it's encouragement with, with, with some strength behind it, right? Some sp- s- specific strength that's it's moved from just a simple, gentle encouragement to more of an exhortation. Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another daily or every day as long as it is called today. Why? Why is he calling us to do that? That none of you, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we are called to exhort, to encourage one another because we are tempted to sin. So what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that we, you, I, we need help fighting against sin. I mean, how many of you do a good job on your own by yourself fighting sin? We need help. We need voices speaking into our lives like megaphones warning us. Danger. As we live in a fallen world, surrounded by fallenness, sin. You and I can't escape the curse and sway of sin. We're born into it. We're born around it. And the reality is, is the more we live in and around sin and sinners is that we will grow more and more influenced by it. The more you're around it, the more you experience it, the more normal it may seem. Hebrews says, exhort, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness. Sin is deceitful. Sin is tricky. It will fool you. I've never seen sin come to me or anyone for that matter, announcing itself as bad. Here I come, I'm sin. You will enjoy it. Here's the call to you to do bad, to be bad, to it doesn't do that. It fools us, it tricks us it It promises things it can't deliver. And every one of us buy into it at some point. We need help. We need other godly brothers and sisters in Christ coming alongside of us to say, hey, be careful. Danger. I'm afraid that you're going down a path that is harmful for you. Don't see that. If somebody says that to you, don't you dare see that as a threat. See that as a means of God's grace that he loves you so much that he's willing to send someone in your life to say, watch out. That is grace that God has given you. It's not a threat. Don't, be, don't feel threatened if someone comes alongside of you and says, Hey, I just, I'm concerned about your soul. What are you doing? Friends, we should all, as believers, if we're truly Christian, it may be uncomfortable, but we should actually welcome that. We should. We should welcome that into our lives. Yes, it's going to be awkward. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. But we need one another because we all are tempted and we all are prone to to buy into the trickiness of sin. So the weary need encouragement. The tempted need encouragement. Number three, the wayward. There are those who have been tempted and have bought into temptation and sin and continued in such a pattern now that they are way off course. Maybe it's theologically, maybe it's maybe it's in their, just in their own heart, in the, their behavior. But you know, people, I know people, seem like they were solid, sold-out Christians, and now they're way over here in a bad, faraway land. They need encouragement. Now, this kind of encouragement is often translated appeal or exhort. But listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. If you are familiar at all with the New Testament, listen, the church at Corinth was not, you're not going to find it in the dictionary as picture-perfect model of healthy church. What you're going to see in the dictionary is sinful, messed-up, dysfunctional church. Corinthians is there, right? Now, now listen to what Paul says in chapter 1, verse 10 of 1 Corinthians. He says, I appeal to... Parakaleo, encourage, exhort, urge. I appeal to you, brothers, still calls them brothers, still acknowledges their salvation. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and same judgment. And then he spends the entire, pretty much the entire letter of Corinthians addressing specific issues in their lives, pointing out sin and deficiencies in their fellowship and cause them to repentance. But here he's beginning that with an appeal. So it is an encouragement, but it's a, it's a heavy-duty encouragement to repent. The wayward need encouragement. An intense pleading with people to return. Next, the hurting. Another way we encourage others is through providing comfort. Second Corinthians chapter one, verses three through six. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, God of all comfort. Same exact word as 1 Thessalonians five, Hebrews chapter 3. Who comforts, same word, encourage comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort, same word, with which we ourselves are comforted, same word, by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort, salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, we know that you share in the same sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Some people need comfort, which is a type of encouragement. They need, they're they're hurting, they're grieving, and they need comforted. They're suffering. Sometimes that doesn't mean that we use a lot of words. Sometimes it simply requires a ministry of presence. But this is one of those areas where providing comfort, using fewer words is probably wiser. At that moment of their greatest hurt and grief and suffering, they don't necessarily, I say necessarily, need a theological exposition of a theology of suffering. Now, hopefully they already have that to stand on when that day comes. But if they don't have that, you're coming alongside and you're going to gently get them there. But You need to provide comfort. You need to come and weep with those who weep. Not necessarily filling the the, the awkward, grieving silence with a lot of words. In God's wisdom and dis- using discernment, yes, you will want to speak. Friends, you need to be sensitive. We need to be aware of such people around us. We need to seek the hurting out. and Comfort them. But then a fifth person that needs encouragement. The faithful. Well, you think, well, that's, that's the last person that needs encouragement. No, they're another type of person that needs encouragement. The faithful. There are those who are walking with Christ. There are those who are regularly fulfilling the, the call of God's word. They're striving in obedience. They're living a life of righteousness and bearing fruit for God's glory. Contributing in a beautiful way to the body. And these people need encouragement. It doesn't seem so obvious to us as the other types. Ob- the, the other types, the hurting, the wayward, the, the sinner. And, and the other, they need encouragement, but the faithful needs encouragement as well. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at this verse in, in more detail in the coming weeks. I just want to go there real quick right now. It says in chapter 10, this is the, this is the verse we like to throw at you to, to make you feel guilty about missing church. Not really. This is the text that prioritizes the local gathering of God's people because it benefits you. And it brings God glory. Look at verse... Um, 23 and following of chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as, the day, as you see the day drawing near. So those who are not neglecting to meet together, those who are regularly gathered, those who are holding fast their confession, those who are doing these things need encouragement. They need spurring on. These are the people, keep at it. These are the people that need to hear affirming kinds of things spoken into their lives as you are pointing out the good that is happening, the the evidences of grace that are marking their lives. I think you see an example of this in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians is is just a, you see the theme of encouragement all the way through it. But listen how Paul encourages the faithful at Thessalonica. This is an example. Verse 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us. And of the Lord, for you received the word and much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. That's encouragement. This is a faithful church that Paul is encouraging. He's affirming God's grace is all over you. It's evidence. And they're not, he's not pointing to just them. He's pointing to the work of grace. He's giving God credit. He's giving God glory for what God has done. But he's affirming them in what God is doing in them. As a means of encouragement. For them to continue in faithfulness. Friends, the church should be a place of mutual encouragement No matter what situation you or someone else may find themselves in. And people are going to encounter various circumstances that change daily. We're all going to be at different places. But what we're called to is to be a people, to come alongside of other people, to encourage them where they are so that God continues his work of sanctification in their lives. So how do we do that? That's the last point. Well, I'm going to give you just some, a, brief, a few little things here. The big thing is, is point two, being aware of the kinds of encouragement people need so that you can begin to move fo- towards them. Let's look at point three, encouragement provided. Friends, the greatest thing all of us need, no matter what circumstance that we find ourselves in, is to be reminded of our need for God's grace and strength. There are two kinds of encouragement that will come your way. And for simplification, I'll just call them godly encouragement and worldly encouragement. Here's the difference. Worldly encouragement says look inside of yourself. Godly encouragement says look outside of yourself. Big difference. Worldly encouragement says you just need to believe in yourself. Fallen sinner, believe in yourself. Many of us have said that to someone else, but I don't think we realize just how dangerous that is. Look inside of yourself. Godly encouragement says look outside of yourself. Rest yourself in the promises and provision of God. Encouragement we are called to provide is a distinctly Christ-centered encouragement. Now the world can and does provide certain kinds of encouragement, motivation, but friends, as Christians, our encouragement runs much deeper with a Christ-centered focus. So how do we keep our encouragement godly or Christ-centered? Three, three brief observations. Number one, keep it frequent. Keep your encouragement frequent. Look at, back in, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. What does Paul, or Paul? Gives away my bias as to who I think wrote Hebrews. But the writer of Hebrews says, but exhort one another, what's the next two words? You tell me. Somebody say it. Yes. How often? Daily. Every day. Now this is in the concept Context of sin, temptation, hardness of heart. But friends, we need encouragement every day. So is not an activity that's to be occasional. We need constant encouragement. Friend, ask yourself. Ask yourself this question. It's 1126. I have a clock right here. Who have you encouraged this morning? I probably shouldn't ask, but who have you discouraged this morning? How how have you encouraged? We need to be asking these questions. How have I encouraged my family? people I serve with at church, the people I work with, the people I go to school with. By the way, you you need to think through that. Husbands, how often do you encourage your wife for her own spiritual good? Or do you drag her down? Wives, how often do you encourage your husbands? Or are you always picking about what's wrong? It's mutual. Friends, marriages will only benefit from the intentional acts of regular godly Christ-centered encouragement. Parents, when was the last time you sought to intentionally encourage your child or children? Pointing them to Christ. Extended family, small group. What about your small group? Your ministry team you serve with? How are you encouraging them? There's always going to be reason for us to point out the flaws and the deficiencies and and what's wrong. You need to do this better. You're not doing this enough. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to quit doing this. You need to quit doing that. We need to. Also, balance that out, or whatever you want to call it, by speaking affirming words into their lives, marking the evidences of grace in their lives. Asking questions, well, what's going on in in the lives of people around me? How can I speak into their life? How can I acknowledge what God's doing? Are they sad? Are they tempted? Are they hurting? On and on we could go. One of the things, I know several home groups have started doing this, one of the things that we do as a home group is that we pray for one another, and we pray for one another pretty specifically. So one of the things that we do in our home group is we have a little card. You write your name on it, you write your prayer request on it, and the the catch is, is that that prayer request has to be something someone else can pray for you. We're praying for everyone else in a different time, but this is a prayer request for you. How can someone be praying for you? And then you write your phone number or email address so that someone can notify you that week. So, this past week, I put my prayer request in the pot. Anita Draper. Raise your hand, Anita. She's right there, front row Baptist. She gets my prayer requests Because on Wednesday, she texts me. Yes, Anita texts. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> she texts me this text. I have your prayer request for Monday night. I understand your burden because I walked in those same shoes years ago. I am praying for you this specific request every day. Very simple, but extremely encouraging when I'm least thinking about who has my prayer request. Wednesday morning, working on something, and here comes a text from Anita praying for you. Friends, it's not rocket science. It's easy, but it has to be intentional. It doesn't have to be complicated. The fact is is that we need to keep it frequent. We need to implement this activity of encouragement into our daily routine. If you can go throughout an entire day without encouraging someone, you probably, well not probably, you, you need to simply just stop because you're too focused on yourself. Number two, keep it focused. You can say a lot of things to encourage someone, but it needs to be focused. The most important thing people need to hear and be reminded of is the gospel. Look at, I read this at the beginning of the message, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11 for God has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep we might live with him therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing therefore is connected back to the fact that God has not destined us for wrath but he's saved us and there's more to that story we'll get to that in a moment in that context but the point is, is that the encouragement we provide others should never, as Christians, never be separated from the gospel. There ought to be gospel flavoring in all of your encouragements. Just like the, the bottled water that you pour flavoring into, bottle of water is encouragement, or, or, or is in the, the act of encouragement, the, the flavoring is gospel. It ought to permeate and saturate every aspect of your encouragement. I'm not saying you need to always be preaching the gospel to someone, but you need to be uh, informally, casually, whatever you want to call it, sometimes very specifically pointing them to Christ, reminding them that even though their day is terrible and horrible, they've been rescued from the depths of their depravity and have a glorious inheritance awaiting for them. Buts puts everything in perspective. It needs to be focused on the gospel. Friend, if the gospel is not true, then there would be no need for encouragement. Number three, keep it future. The greater context of 1 Thessalonians 5 involves details about the second coming of Christ. And it's with that promise in mind that Paul encourages the believers. It's here in 1 Thessalonians... It's there in Hebrews 3. Remember what he says there at the end? For we share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Hebrews 10, verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another loving good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more. As you see the day drawing near. Friends, keeping our encouragement focused on our future does several things. It keeps things in perspective. This is not the end. This life we live is not the end. This is not how it's always going to be. There's coming a day when Jesus is going to split the sky. He's going to return and gather us to himself. And eternity Perfect eternity is going to begin when all things are restored and our our flesh is no longer tainted by sin, but it's perfectly redeemed. We need to hear that. Just that little bit of reference right there should have encouraged us. It encourages me to be reminded because we get bogged down with life and we need to be trying to look through the 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 difficulties, and, and keep our eyes on Christ who's coming again. It motivates us to persevere through the sufferings and struggle of life because we know a better day is coming. He's promised. And it encourages us to be ready because that day could come at any moment. Friends, we would do well to talk often about the return of Christ, not debate how he will return, but to talk often about the fact that he will return. It's not, looking, not just looking back to what he's done, but looking forward to what he will do, all to fill our encouragement to one another. Friends, we use thousands of words Every day. Thousands. How many of those words are being used to edify, to encourage others? Remember, our words are like hammers. They can destroy or they can build up. Friend, by the grace of God, let it be your resolve to be an instrument of God's grace. Speaking God's truth into others' lives for their good. And let us not be ungodly instruments. Speaking harm. Speaking distraction into people's lives tripping them up, and destroying them. Friends, we're called to build up one another. And part of our life together is to be a people who use our words by the grace of God to help others marvel in that grace and grow in that grace. Friends, how will you use your words today? Knowing, knowing that it will be even on judgment day that we will give accounts for every useless or careless word we speak. Friends, may our words not be careless and may they not be useful or useless. May they be useful. May they be useful for the good of others and for the glory of God. Let's encourage one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For your word thank you for revealing yourself in your word encouraging us reminding us that, that that we have a God who created us and a God who loves us in spite of our own rebellion and sin a God who pursued us and promised us father thank you Thank you for what you have said. Because it is your word that we find hope. It is in your word that we find encouragement. It is in your word that we find life. And because of that, Lord, would you help us to be a people of encouragement? Help us to be intentional on how we speak to others. Help us to know that we've been called out of darkness into light. And Lord, help us to proclaim that light into people's darkness. God, would you forgive us? Would you forgive us when we have failed to encourage? Would you forgive us for being greedy and selfish, even in our pursuit of what we think is encouragement? Forgive us, Lord, for when we have spoken more harm than good. When we have used our words to destroy and not build. God, by your grace, would you help our words to be edifying, to be strengthening words, to be encouraging words. Lord, may you make Redeeming Grace Baptist Church a body of believers that encourage one another, centered on the gospel, focused on Christ, encouraging one another to keep on, to spur one another on for love and good works. Because we have a great Savior who loved us and gave himself for us. He's coming again. God, would you find us faithful in our words, one to another. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.